Major funding for this class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. So we are in the prayer book, page 5. And we begin with the first uh, blessing over the first mitzvah that we do in the day. The first mitzvah that we do in the day is the mitzvah to wash our hands in the morning. And before we do a mitzvah, in this case it's a rabbinic mitzvah, we also, the rabbis instituted that we should bless, we should say a blessing before we do the mitzvah. So we begin with a blessing. So there are many things to discuss. Firstly, why the mitzvah? Why is there a mitzvah to wash our hands? What's the purpose of washing our hands? And what is the meaning of a blessing? What's the difference in a blessing and prayer? Tefillah, bracha, what's the difference? And what is the specific definition of the blessing? Baruch, Atta, Hashem, which is shared in all the blessings. What is the meaning of What does it all mean? So firstly, the reason we wash our hands in the morning, actually three reasons that are given why we wash our hands in the morning. One reason is because at night when you sleep, you know, the hands are constantly in motion and are constantly touching, the sense of touch, and you're touching different parts. You may have touched different parts of your body which would uh, cause you to wash your hands, which makes you impure. You're not allowed to say God's name or pray um, when your hands are impure. If you touch the part in your body that's usually covered up, so you have to wash your hands, you have to purify your hands. And that's the reason why we started out with the Modani. When you, when you just wake up, you can't say God's name because your hands are impure. The um, Talmud mentions this, but especially the Zohar discusses, but this is mentioned in the Talmud as well, clearly, but the Zohar really elaborates on this, that there is a concept, a spiritual concept of impurities. Pure, impurity is a spiritual concept. So there is a spiritual impurity when a person goes to sleep, since sleep is a 60th of death, and we know that death is the grandfather of all impurities, a corpse is the source of all impurities. So every night, each and every night, when we go to sleep and we experience a, a whiff of death, a 60th of death, our, our consciousness, we are asleep and we're not functioning, so the body becomes impure. When you wake up in the morning and your consciousness returns. So the body is pure, but the impurity remains in the, in the end of the hand, the fingers, the nail, the ends of, end of the hands. That's where the impurity, impurity remains. And therefore, you have to wash away this impurity. And before you wash away this impurity, the rabbis say you shouldn't touch. You're not allowed to touch your eyes before you wash your hands. When you wake up in the morning, don't touch your eyes, don't touch your ears, don't touch your mouth, don't touch other parts in your body, don't touch food. Your hands are impure. That's why you wash your hands. And the Zohar says you shouldn't even take 
a few steps before you wash your hands. That's why our custom is we have a basin with a cup right next to our bed. So as soon as we wake up in the morning, before we even put our feet down on the ground, after we say the modani, after we say the, we say the thank you, we wash our hands, and that's when we stand up, and that's when we take our first steps. So that's to remove the impurity. But then there's another reason. The Rajva gives a reason, and he says that the reason we wash our hands has nothing to do with impurity. The reason we wash our hands in the morning is because, just like the priest in the temple, the priest would start his day in the temple before he began the service in the temple. The first thing he did is he washed his hands. He had to wash, he had to wash his hands. Between the altar and the temple was the wash basin, and he would put his hands and his feet together and he would wash, and only then was he allowed to do the service in the temple. So, according to this reason, washing has nothing to do with impurity. If your hands touch places in your body which doesn't allow you now to say God's name, you have to wash your hands, clean your hands. Or because of the impurity, because you were asleep, you were dead in a certain sense, and therefore there was an impurity, and now that you're awake, the impurity remains and needs to be washed off. So the, the washing has to do with purity. You're purifying your hand, removing any obstacle that doesn't allow you to pray. But according to the reason of the Rajabha, it has to do with holiness. You're sanctifying yourself. There's nothing impure about you. You're already pure, just like the priest. The priest was already pure. He went to the mikveh before. The idea of washing was to elevate him, to sanctify him, to prepare him, to put him in the mode, to be able to serve Hashem throughout the rest of the day, to do the service in the temple. He had to elevate, elevate himself. Now it's interesting how the physical parallels the spiritual. We know that all the germs, right? Here we have the doctor here, right? All the germs are in the fingertips, the hands. You know, it's interesting. I think during the Black Plague, right? When it wiped out a third, a third of the world population. Or, and the Jews were speared. And the reason why the Jews were speared is because Jews were clean. Because you have to wash your hands every morning. The Torah tells us you have, constantly have to wash your hands. As soon as you wake up, you're washing your hands. Once you get dressed, and you put on your clothes, and you went to the bathroom, and now you're ready to start praying, you wash your hands again. Before you eat bread, you wash your hands. Before you bench, you wash your mayim achreinim. On Shabbos, you have, to, you have to bathe before Shabbos. You have to prepare for Shabbos. The women are constantly going to the mikveh. The women have to go to the mikveh. The men also, ideally, every time they have relations with their wives, go to the mikveh. So, the cleanliness, they automatically there was cleanliness which didn't exist in the, in the, in the greater population. And that's why they, they blamed the Jews. They thought this must be some spell because the Jews are spirit. The Jews are not dying. But the idea of washing and cleanliness is, was there is the first thing we do in the morning. You clean your hands. You wash your hands. Wash away the impurities. The obvious impurities because your fingers touch places that you shouldn't touch, but also the spiritual impurities, which are not so obvious. 
It's a spiritual thing. It's not something you can take to the laboratory and detect under, under, under a microscope. Impurity. It's a spiritual thing. But it's washing away and cleansing us of the spiritual impurities. Or the reason of the Rajba, the reason is to elevate yourself, to sanctify yourself. Nothing to do with impurity. It's to elevate yourself. Because water represents, water cleanses, that we know, that's obvious. But water also represents wisdom, chachma, which is, which is holiness. So it, the idea of the water elevating us. And there's a difference between these two reasons. The reasons, because what if a person fell asleep in your clothes? So you couldn't have touched any place improper. Or you slept with gloves on, <laughs> so you, couldn't, you didn't touch anything improper. It didn't matter if you touched yeah, your, your fingers are protected. What if you didn't sleep at all? So there's no impurity. I was up all night. I didn't touch any place, and there was no impurity. Do I have to, is there a mitzvah to wash your hands? So it depends what the reason is. If the reason is for impurities, there's no reason to wash your hands. There's no mitzvah to wash your hands. I was up all night. I didn't do anything. How can you make a blessing? There's no mitzvah. If the reason is because, like the priest, before he started out the service, in the morning, the beginning of the day, the first thing he did was he washed his hands, and then, only then, was he allowed to do the service in the, in the temple, to enter and do the service in the temple. So according to that, every day, you have to wash your hands. Prepare for the serving Hashem. You're going to spend the rest of your day serving God. You're the priest in your own personal temple. You have to wash your hands. So you should, of course, you should make a blessing. So since we have these two reasons, if a person is up, then halachically it says you shouldn't wash your hands because according to the first two reasons, you can't, how can you wash your hands? There's no obligation to wash your hands. Some people... Um, in Chabad is a quiet uh, instruction that you should, you should wash your hands and, and say the blessing. Because the main reason is the reason that the Rajba gives. Because it's the way we sanctify ourselves. It has to do with sanctification and not so much with purification. It's interesting that this is the very first mitzvah that we do. The very first blessing. And the very first mitzvah that we do is washing our hands. And what do you do? You, after you wash your hands and you dry your hands, you lift up your hands. You lift it up until the temple and separately and you make the blessing. And that's one of the reasons we say the expression, blessed are you Hashem, that sanctified us with the mitzvah of nitilas yadayim. It should have said, the rechitzas yadayim, washing your hands, cleansing your hands. Netilat yadayim comes from the word to elevate. You elevate. Because most of the mitzvot, most of the mitzvot we do with our hands. <laughs> most of the mitzvot, yeah, there's a mitzvot to walk to shul, so that you do with your legs, but most of the mitzvot we fulfill with the hands. So we really want to elevate our hands. We want to elevate the first thing we do in the morning, just like the priest. He washes his hands. Before he's going to do the service in the temple with his hands, the first thing he has to do is he has to sanctify his hands. So here we're going to spend the whole day with our hands doing mitzvot. Multitude of mitzvot. The first thing we do, we have to elevate our hands. We have to sanctify our hands. That our hands are not just there to, you know, 
just to fulfill our materialistic needs, but primarily our hands were created in order to fulfill and serve Hashem and do the mitzvot. And how do we elevate the hands? By pouring water on the hands. Because what do the hands represent? The hand is an extension of the body and our sides. The hands represent the emotions. You have the right arm and you have the left arm. The right arm is love and kindness. The left arm is strength and restraint. So the arms represent the extension of the heart, the person's emotions, where the emotions are primary. Now, emotions are critical because emotions is what leads us to action. Intellect is too abstract. You can know an idea, you can understand an idea, it could be interesting, but it has no effect on you, on your personal life. It doesn't change you. It doesn't affect you. It's the emotions that lead to the hands, that lead to action, that leads, lead you to change and to actually do something. When you love something, you're attracted to something, you're going to go ahead and, and, do, and do something about it. When you're repelled by something, repulsed by something, and you hate something, it's going to cause your left hand to distance it, to distance it. Remove it from your life. So the arms and the hands are the extension of the emotions. But emotions per se, it's a very powerful force, a very powerful energy. But it could also lead to something negative. That's why, what do you find at the end of the hands? The fingers and the fingers, you have the nails. If you, firstly, all the dirt accumulates under the nails. If you don't cut your nails, the nails could harm someone. You can, you can scratch someone with your nails. You can poke someone. Because emotions could start off well, well-intentioned, but a person is so emotional, let's say a person is in awe. He's in awe of Hashem and he's, he feels intense. But the end of that, the ex- full expression of that could end up very negative that you become judgmental and you become harsh and, and you start judging people and being nasty about people and impatient with people with their mediocrity and with their foolishness. So it turns into nails. It turns into something negative. It started out something very positive, a beautiful experience, a beautiful emotion, but it ends up totally negative. Or loving. A person can be so loving and, and, and the, the prayer is so passionate but then when you get to the Kiddush, you dive into the Kiddush with the same passion that you prayed. So, so all that beautiful experience and emotion just went down the, down the drain, down the tubes. So emotions are very powerful, but it's like, it's like a bull. You know, emotions have to be guided. Emotions need to be guided. It's like heat, electricity, but it needs guidance. The guidance only comes from the brain. Comes from the, that's what the water represents. The water represents... It's cool, it's calm. The water is the brain. So that people are very heated, very passionate and heated, which is wonderful. That's life. Life is heated and emotional and passionate and vibrant and excited. But if there's no guidance, the emotions just, just are not channeled properly and the emotions end up doing more harm than good. So that's why you pour the water on the hands. The hands are good, but you need to pour the water on the hands. You need to, that the water should guide 
the emotions. You need the, the intellect. When the emotions follow the intellect, then you have a perfect marriage. When you marry the brains with the heart and you act accordingly, the arms act accordingly, then you have a beautiful, beautiful combination. Then the emotions will be channeled in the right way and even the end result will only be good. Only good things and wholesome things will come out of, out of these emotions. So we have to temper. Or like you're cooling down the passion. You're cooling down with this cold water, with water. But the water is what guides and what gives you the clarity. Otherwise it's heat without light. If you have heat without light, there's a lot of heat. But there's no light. There's no clarity. There's no... And then things go wrong. People mean well and people are very emotional and experiential, but it just, the re- end result is not wholesome and not good. But when you have the light combined with the heat, that's what this pouring of the water on the hands represents. And the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe says that we wash our hands three times. You wash your hands. As soon as you wake up, right next to your bed, you have the, the, um, the, the shisel, whatever, and you have the, 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 the cup, and you wash your hands. Okay? Then you go, you go to the bathroom, you get dressed, you shower, you go to the bathroom, you get dressed, whatever you do. Then you wash your hands again. And the way we wash in the morning is different than we wash for bread. You pick up the cup with the right hand, you transfer it to the left, and you pour once, twice, once, twice, once, twice. Each hand three times, but out of order. Versus when you wash for bread, and the, you do three times, but you do it at the same time. Consecutively. One, two, three. One, two. Again, you pick up the right hand, you transfer the left hand. You pour three times on the right, and three times on the left. But each of these washings, so we wash our hands in the day three times. And as we explained, the pouring the water is that the, our emotion should be guided with the wisdom. The water represents the wisdom. So what's the wisdom? So firstly, as soon as a person wakes up in the morning, when a person wakes up, you just the first stirring of consciousness. So you need a purification because... Because your ego, your body, is very prominent. As soon as you wake up, it's like a child. Children by nature are selfish, self-centered, self-absorbed. It takes a long time of maturity and study and education and meditation and reflection to realize that I am not the center of the universe. There's something much greater than myself. There's something much greater than all of us put together. And you start wondering and you start connecting, connecting the dots and realizing that there's more to life than meets the eye and what I see is just the tip of the tip of the iceberg and there's so much more going on and there's, the world is alive and there's Hashem. And so it, it doesn't happen automatically. It takes time, gradually. So every day when we wake up, we're like that child again. We're starting all over again. The body, the ego is very prominent. I exist. And you have to work your way up. You have to climb the ladder to realize and to go from one level to the next level, to realize and to, make, to connect the dots and to realize that there's Hashem. 
So that's why you need a purification. You have an impurity, a spiritual impurity. The body, the arrogance, the self-centeredness, the selfishness is very entrenched and feels very natural and feels very solid. And to work your way and to realize that takes time. So you have to wash your hands. So the very first washing of the hand is, because when a person wakes up, he says, you're very worried. How am I going to make a living? You start worrying. I'm going to have to take care of myself, take care of my family. What's going to be? You start worrying and thinking that you're in control of... You're in charge and you're in control. So the first thing you wash your hands is you realize that awareness that God created. And God is creating. And He takes care of me. And I have nothing to worry. Don't wake up worried. Cherish your day. Look forward to your day. Look forward to being able to serve Hashem another day. Worry about the things that is in our power and control. What we earn is not in our power, not in our control. The one area in our life that is in our power and our control is what kind of human being am I going to be? Am I going to be a moral person? How I respond to my circumstances? Am I going to connect with Hashem? Am I going to become aware of Hashem? That's what I should really focus on. Don't worry about everything. Hashem will take care of us. God provides and everything will be okay. That's the first. Then he says, the second washing of the hand, which is the beginning of the prayer, after you're all dressed and after you're ready to start the blessings and the prayers, that's a general awareness. That when you're praying, you're standing before Hashem. You're talking to Hashem. So it's a way to prepare you and orient you that you're you're going to stand in front of Hashem. Like the priest, before he starts his service in the temple, before he presents himself to Hashem, he washes his hands to sanctify himself, to prepare himself. And he says that washing your hands before you eat is the wisdom and the awareness that we did not come into this world to eat. <laughs> That's not our purpose in life, to indulge <coughs> materialism, Money, power, fame, that's not the purpose. It's necessary. We have to have healthy bodies and we have to take care of ourselves and we have to eat well and we have to... But that's a means to an end. That's not what it's about. That's not what we live for. We don't live to eat. We eat to live and not live to eat. Some people live to eat. So you're reminding yourself, you're pouring water, relax. Don't get so heated and passionate. People get so excited. You know? <laughs> they live for the, for the restaurant. They live for the food. They live for... Yes, eat well, eat healthy. It's important. But that's not, what we're, that's not what it's about. That's not what life is about. So that's the water that we pour to help us keep that clarity and keep that... that, that realization and awareness, it's only a means to an end. Now, this idea of impurity, the idea that you have to wash your hands, is based on the principle that nature abhors a vacuum. So, when we are asleep and we're not conscious, automatically, our body is filled with impurity. 
Because since our conscious soul, our godly soul is not functioning consciously, our bodies are there, they're intact. We have eyes we don't see, we have ears we don't hear, it's there, but it's not functioning. So automatically our body becomes impure. Because automatically if there's a void, if you don't fill your life with godliness, automatically it's filled with impurity. The moment you wake up, the consciousness returns, so the body once again becomes pure, but only at the end of the body, the end of the hands, the fingers. Um, our custom is we actually wash till the wrist, but um, essentially it's really till to, to, to the fingers, the impurity, and um, so you have to wash your hands. This idea of impurity we only find amongst the Jewish people. The idea that a living thing could be impure is unique to the Jewish people. A corpse imparts impurity. doesn't matter if it's a Jew or a non-Jew. Even the carcass of an animal imparts impurity. Any death imparts impurity. Because God is the source of life. Anything that's plugged in, anything that's connected with God is alive. Death comes from the absence of godliness. It's the ultimate, like, so to speak, absence of godliness, which is why it's the grandfather of all impurities. It's the source of all impurities. It's death. Corp, a corpse is the ultimate source of impurity. It doesn't matter, Jew and non-Jew. Life is divine. Life is miraculous. Life comes from within. All the scientists in the world can't create the life of a, fi- of a fly. Life comes from within. It's divine. We don't make that connection. You look at life, you feel our own life, we don't necessarily feel anything godly. We just feel alive. But the reality is that life is a miracle. Life, there's no human, rational, logical explanation to biology, to life. It's, it's, it's miraculous, it's divine, it's godly. It's alive, it's not alive, it's a soul, it's spiritual, it's, it's not anything, it's not mechanical. It's not a mechanical event. A human being is not a machine. Animals are not a machine. If it's alive, it's a soul thing. The body is just a manifestation of that life, a symptom of that life. So life is connected to the divine. The absence of life, death, brings impurity. It's a disconnect, and therefore brings impurity. These are all spiritual concepts. There's nothing you can test in a laboratory. But the idea of when there's a void, when you don't feel, see, there's a disconnect from godliness, automatically it's impure. And it contaminates you. And you will not, not be allowed to go into the temple while you're contaminated. Because it affects us in a very deep level. Today, we don't really, we don't have a temple today. So the impurities, we're all impure. So the impurities don't affect us because they affect us in a very deep, deep level which we are not so in tune in today. When the Jews, in the times of the temple, the Jews are very much in tune with a very high frequency, a very high level of godliness and holiness and spirituality. So when they were impure, they felt it. It affected them and they were not allowed to step foot into the temple until they, they purified themselves. So death is the ultimate impurity. But the idea that a person could be alive and impure, that's a uniquely Jewish concept. That only affects the Jewish people. And that's why the idea of washing your hands 
is a uniquely Jewish thing. That your hands are impure until you wash your hands. A non-Jew doesn't have to wash his hands in the morning. He can touch the food, he can prepare your food, everything is okay, there's no impurities, there's no problem. A living thing cannot have impurities. But the Jewish people, because of the holy soul, the Jewish soul that Hashem chose to place within us, to give us, when there's a void, it's filled with impurity. Impurity is attracted to that holiness. The holier something is, the greater the attraction of impurity. Someone said he, he only eats food that worms eat. He won't buy any food in the, in the, in the supermarket. They can sit on the shelf for months. <laughs> and it looks just as fresh and tasty today. <laughs> like it was made years ago. Because it may look like food, it may taste like food, but it's so artificial. <laughs> it's not real food. Organic food that lasts for a day and a half. Because it, it, it's real food. And, you know, that's what the worms are attracted to. The worm, you can't fool the worms. <laughs> they don't read the labels. <laughs> they, they, they know the food. Is this for real or is it not for real? Anything that's artificial, uh, it's man-made, they're not interested. If it's authentic and it's genuine and it's real, that's where they're attracted to. That's where they're going to get their nourishment from. This impurity has no life of its own. Nothing in this world could exist on its own. Without Hashem, we can't exist. Nothing could exist. God creates everything, including the forces of impurity. Everything is created by Hashem. Otherwise, it couldn't exist. So when the forces of impurity want to reinforce themselves and to, to gain even more energy and more strength and more life force, it's like a blood sucker. A blood sucker has to suck your blood because it can't live on its own. It lives off your blood. So the forces of impurity are like blood suckers. They're looking for extra nourishment. They want to grow fat. They want to grow. So what do they do? Where are they going to find that extra life? They find it within the Jew. Because the Jew is so plugged in with Hashem, so connected with godliness. And if they get the Jew, they can nourish and nurture and get that life force from the Jew. You know, the church, the Christian church, in the olden days when they tried to force Jews to convert to Christianity, that was the, the biggest thing you can do, accomplishes, to get a Jew to convert to Christianity. It was worth more than getting a million people, other people, to convert to Christianity. If you got one Jew to convert... You know, you were promised eternal reward. Why was it so important to get that one Jew? Because a Jew is so plugged in, a Jew is so connected. Whether the Jew acknowledges it or not, or is aware of it or not, the reality is that every Jew has that Jewish soul, that godly core and essence. So if a Jew does something wrong, 
he adds so much life force and so much vitality and so much energy to the, to the forces of negativity, to the impure forces. And that's why, that's what they're attracted to. That's why it's such a powerful attraction. So when the Jew goes to sleep and his soul is not functioning, the forces of impurity having a field day, they take over, okay? The Jew wakes up, they're out of business. Except the hands, the fingers, the nails, there, there they can grab onto. And that's why we have to wash. And that also explains why, you know, we wash all the way to the wrist. Because some say that the force, the impurity remains up until the wrist. But there are two days a year that we only wash on, only till the knuckles, only, only the fingers. Because you're not allowed to bathe in these two days. Which two days? Yom Kippur and, and Tisha B'Av. The question is what happens if the, if the we wash till the wrist because the impurity remains till the wrist. How is it that on Yom Kippur we only wash the finger? Right. Only the little knuckles. So the explanation is given. Fascinating. by Kabbalah. The Kabbalists explain because on Tisha B'av, the forces of impurity are not so aggressive. Because the whole day belongs to them. It's the whole day is a day of mourning and Jewish tragedies, one after the other after the other, such major, colossal tragedies. They're having a field day anyway, so they, they leave the Jew alone, so the impurity is weaker. They don't, they're don't, not running after the Jew, so the impurity on these days only, only reach the knuckles. So it's enough to wash till the knuckles. Yom Kippur is the exact opposite. Yom Kippur, a Jew is so holy. A Jew is so powerful. The holiest day of the year, we're like angels, we're fasting, we're dressed in white that the forces of impurity could only reach the knuckle. They can't reach all the way to the wrist. But the question is, it's a good question, according to the reason, the third reason we learned why you wash your hands, the reason of the Rashba, that it's like any priest, do it before he does the service in the temple in the morning, the first thing he had to do was wash his hands, sanctify his hands in the wash basin in the temple, in front of the temple. He had to wash his hands till his wrist. That's why on Yom Kippur, when the priests wash their hands, before they do the priestly blessing, they wash their hands all the way to the wrist. Even though we're not allowed to. We only wash our hands because we have only, only to the knuckles. Because priestly blessing, like the priests in the temple, they have to wash their hands till the wrist. So if the reason every one of us washes our hands in the morning is like we're priests in the temple... So on Tisha B'Av, you can say, listen, Tisha B'Av, the temple is destroyed. We're not doing the service in the temple. Okay, so you understand. You only do it till the knuckles. But Yom Kippur, we should be allowed to wash until the wrist. Okay. So that's a, that's a very good question. Um, I don't know if anyone found the answer to that question yet, but uh, that's a very, a very, very good question. But since there are other opinions, that's not the only opinion. There's other two reasons that are given some... So that, that's something that needs a further further study. Yeah. The uh, priests, when they went into the temple, they yeah. also washed their feet. Yes. I know in my life, my feet can get me to a lot of bad places, so should I be sanctifying my feet in the morning also? Well, uh, Maimonides does write. He says the feet and the hands, but uh, the prevailing custom is that, um, you know, we only wash the hands. Again, if the reason is, the primary reason is because it's like the priests, and the priests did wash their hands and their feet. 
But if the reason is, the other two reasons that are given, because the hands, the hands touch everywhere and they may touch someplace inappropriate, or because of the impurity, that's, that's, in the hand, that's only in the fingers. That's only, so that's, that's why we, we only wash, um, we only wash, wash the hands. That's what we do. That's our, our custom. Are there any other customs where they do wash the feet? I don't know. I know in the Arab world it's a whole different thing, you know, with the hands and the feet and the, you know. But I think even the Svardim, I don't know if the Svardim, I think also they only, most, they wash them. Didn't we read a few weeks ago that when Abraham was in his tent, he gave them water? Well, the reason was because they were idol worshippers. And they used to worship the dust of their feet. They were the first environmentalists who worshipped the Gaia, Mother Earth, the lowest form of paganism that exists in the universe. Such a low energy, such a low level, with a, so much so that they had 4,000 clowns who just signed a, signed a petition. They're not even scientists. 4,000 people signed the petition that we should stop having babies because of global warming. This is the lowest, the lowest form of paganism, the lowest form of pure idolatry where they put that ahead of human life. So Avram was kind even to those people. But he said on one condition, get rid of your idols. Wash away the dust from your feet. No, no, none of that nonsense in my tent. The idea of washing the hands, and that's the first mitzvah that we do. It's the first thing that we do. Because we know that, that the soul is primary. You know, as we age, the body gets weaker and we lose some of our vim, our vigor. But our minds get stronger. As we age, we think deeper, we understand things clearer. Our mind is, we can understand things in our advanced age that we couldn't understand in our youth. So we see that spiritually, spiritually we don't age. On the contrary, we age well. It's like old wine wiser and deeper but the body the physical is the reverse the physical grows weaker it starts out strong and it it goes downhill from there it weakens the soul starts out weak but it gets stronger and stronger so we see that life is really primarily the soul that's the primary moving force in life it's the spiritual it's not the the, the body the surface the external But when you wake up in the morning, just like the child, when you start out your life, it's the body that, uh, that appeals to us. And we have to reorient yourself and educate yourself and realize and learn and discover and become aware that really make your soul the primary force in your life, not your body, not the physical. So that's why you have to pour the water, you have to pour that wisdom and teach the body and teach and guide your emotions to realize what's primary What's the end and what's the means to the end? What's primary and what's secondary? To give you that clarity and that wisdom and to live your life accordingly. Your hands is, what, is your actions. Guided by your emotions, guided by your intellect. Fired by your emotions, guided by your intellect. That's the perfect marriage. That's what the washing of the hands, that's why washing of the hands is so important. That's the very first thing we do in the morning. We wash our hands. And we make a blessing. Can you wash in the bathroom? Well, ideally, you sh- ideally not. You should try to wash out of the bathroom. So it's a 
use the same basin that's beside your bed for the oh, second yeah. washing also? Uh, if it's not in the bathroom, oh no, you go in the sink. By the time you get dressed and you're ready, you're ready for the blessing, you go downstairs, you go into your house and you wash, you wash by the sink. Um, right, the question is technically, because a bathroom is not, a, is not an appropriate place, it's not a holy place. You're not allowed to say God's name there, you're not allowed to... Uh, well, that's a question I had. Can you wash in the bathroom, do not say anything, then walk over to your, where your study where you're going to... And say. It, so, and then so, go and so, say, only so that, so that, so that's contra- the reason why it's questionable, it's controversial, because a bathroom is not the proper place. Right, but I didn't say it there. I just right, true, it. but even the washing. But the only reason why, because our bathrooms are different than the bathrooms that the Talmud discussed. That was just an outhouse. And here, because everything is immediately flushed, so it could be that the, technically the, the bathroom, uh, the toilet doesn't have the same status. A toilet is a disgusting thing. You know, you're right. not going to do anything associated with <laughs> right. purity in the toilet. Because it's, it's uh, you know... So it's what a, do you say? You want me to wash in the kitchen? Yeah, wash outside the bathroom. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then exactly. Put your exactly. exactly. What if you're somewhere where you have to use the bathroom and they have a sink in the bathroom? And that's, and that's the only way you have. So then what you do is cover, cover the toilet seat. Oh. And so then you can rely on it. Some say that since, since it's flushed right away, so it's not really a receptacle. In an outhouse, that was the receptacle. It's all sitting there, and that's why it's... it's <laughs> what if they don't have uh, even a cup in the bathroom, so you can only sort of like wash with soap, you know? Well, you don't you don't make a blessing. You don't make a blessing. You can't make a blessing. To make a blessing, you have to have. Oh, you have to have a cup. No, no, but I mean like Asher Oh, Asher Yatzar, you don't need a cup. That's fine. Oh, so you don't need to wash with a cup every time. No, no. If you can wash once, you don't have to wash three times. Asher Yatzar, you can wash. Ideally, wash one, you know, once, one. But even if not, yeah, you can wash your hands. Yeah.